this is what Netflix yeah. should do. They should just go and say, you know what? These are the top 20 most consistent people. We're going to pay them 75 grand a year, plus this bonus program, plus these raises, plus these benefits. And if you are the writer and you want to get paid more, but work more like a gig worker, two months on, three months off, fight for your next gig, get it, don't get it, whatever. And, and you know, be a freelancer, fine. But man, I would just come in and I'd buy the top 50 writers and I'd have them come to an office every day. Yeah. I would well, give them lunch. I treat them great and make a campus where they felt like, man, I come here and I'm just creatively fulfilled and I feel safe. Like I get rent every month taken care of. I've got my, mm -hmm. you know, my mortgage is like, you know, have I'm, I have some amount of security. Yeah. We have practical evidence that this is the right approach. This Week in Startups is brought to you by Embroker's Startup Insurance Program helps startups secure the most important types of insurance at a lower cost and with less hassle. Save up to 20% off of traditional insurance today at Embroker.com slash twist. And while you're there, get an extra 10% off using offer code twist. Hyperice. Warm up and recover faster with the Hypervolt 2 Massage Gun and Normatec Compression Therapy Boots. Save $50 off your order of $150 or more with code TWIST50 at checkout at hyperice.com. And release. Large enterprises pose unique challenges for SaaS startups. Unlock customers with unique needs for private and single-tenant hosting without the toil of DIY with release delivery. Get your first month free at release.com slash twist. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. It's been a while, but we have to touch on all the stuff happening in the entertainment and technology and streaming space. So with me again, back on the program, Lon Harris. How are you doing, brother? Been a while. Been a minute. Pretty good. How about you? Yeah, it's been a little while. Um, well, it's a little crazy right now in my world. Uh, you know, both podcasts <laughs> sure. doing really well. Uh, all in yeah. has become a bit of a phenomenon. You know, like uh, I, this, I've seen, this yeah. podcast is, you know, self-contained. It's about startups, you know, in technology, which right. is, a, you know, a very narrow niche thing. I've never had a podcast that was about essentially everything. You know, it's, right. it's a little more wider and it's uh, strange. It's gotten so popular that it's crossed over into pop culture. A bit, you know, so, um, yeah, that, I mean, that, cer certainly, you know, I think the, as, as, as the all in podcast is becoming more popular and, you know, the, 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 you guys on it are touching into so many different areas and fields, making, making news besides just doing the podcast that I think one drives the other. It's now becoming a little bit like that. So yes, like Sachs is going to be. Uh, an Elon or exactly. having Ron DeSantis on Twitter spaces. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, that, that was yeah. the exact example I was thinking yeah. of is like, you know, guys with the all in podcast are making real moves, moves headlines, you know? Yeah. Beyond, uh, tech. Well, the, beyond tech. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I'm, I'm doing a reality show. So I, I was meeting with one of the major streamers and one of the networks mm -hmm. uh, in the past week. So I'm going to take a shot at doing a reality show again around my, you know, early stage investing. I had done a show with NBC yeah. that never got on air um, mm -hmm. as the person who I was in partnership with turned out to be a monster. Um, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> You've got a weird <laughs> in industry Hollywood over there. <laughs> well, it's, it's very yeah. strange because in Hollywood, like literally year one of going out and meeting everybody, this person was a god. Mm -hmm. And the next year, this person was a pariah uh, and rightfully so. So, you know, like, um, but I was like, wait a second, yeah. when did that happen? <laughs> You guys were just literally 
you know, uh, you go to these, this is back in the in-person meeting days for reality shows. You know, we go into a major network, we go into a major studio, you know, back then, I guess there were like television production companies that, you know, would, you know, somehow sure. be involved. I mean, anyway, still, yeah. Yeah. You go in and they would line up 15 people for this person to come out and be greeted. And it wasn't just. Yeah. The people in the studio, it would be the presidents of the wider, larger conglomerate, you know, the ATN yeah. or whatever of the world. There is a <laughs> the Waystar. There is the Waystar a CEO notable, would come out. Logan Roy would be yeah. there. <laughs> There's a notable cult documentary about this person before yes. before the scandals. And uh, uh-huh. one one person asked another, they're talking about him, and they said, How 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 much power does this person have in Hollywood? And the other person answers, All of it. Wow. They're the most, they're the, they were the, the most powerful person in Hollywood at one point. For a minute. Yeah. For like a 10 year period, they had their hands in artistic films and the top reality TV shows and, 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 and. So very interesting. Um, um, But then of course, you know, the the pilot comes out great. I'm like, okay, I'm learning about this stuff. And then it was like, anything this person has ever touched is now so toxic, burn it to the ground, Mm -hmm. can never reference it again his name yeah. shall not be spoken uh and so but anyway i'm back on the horse i uh, got a great partner uh yeah. we'll talk about that but uh you know one of the legendary a good idea like the, yeah the i to me the concept was always like what what gordon ramsay kind of does yes like the, the kitchen nightmare style of bringing mm-hmm. the personality and the expertise and the experience and then you know helping other people who are maybe coming in you know, more aspiring, you know, coming in from the other side. That is the, uh, that is the analogy that comes up, uh, pretty frequently. And then the show will have a little bit of a, uh, yeah. Uh, how do I say it? Well, anyway, I don't want to tip my cards too much, but yes, it's basically around me, angel investing in companies, me, you know, uh, investing. So I'm, I'm getting my own, uh, but everything was interesting was, when we had the call yesterday, I was like doing the debrief and I was like, well, how does the writer strike impact all of this? And it was like, mm-hmm. well, that actually is in our favor in some ways, because if this is extended, reality TV got its big boost the last time there was a writer strike. Um, but now I'm, I understand it's a little bit. It's a little bit quiet. Like, pe- I think the the trope that is wrong, people tend to be like the explosion of reality TV was the last writer strike. That's not really true. Reality TV already was going strong. Mm-hmm. This kind of like expanded, you know, like it it, yes. it it got reality TV got a boost out of it. But it was all like mm-hmm. American Idol was already popular. Like people already liked yes. reality shows. It just you got a real flood of them in 07, 08 mm-hmm. because, you know, production took a yes. pause for six months or whatever. Yeah. And so let's educate the audience on what's happening with this writer's strike because it seemed like this was something that was coming you know there's there's a deal yeah that w- they had and i don't know if it was a 10-year deal or whatever it was but it was a long deal it's been a while since there's I mean, been a strike essentially right the 2007 2008 strike kind of codified a lot of the rules that have been in place ever since and i mean if you think about how much has changed since then in 2007, 2008, you know, Netflix had just introduced start what, you know, watch now like that. It was a yeah. brand new service. YouTube was this very new Wild West frontier there. You know, Hulu, I think was 2008. 
so we're, we're talking about a very, very different landscape. And we haven't figured out things like residuals and credits and all these little mm. rules that really allow writers to make writing into a career. And mm. I think that's what I think the, the simple, the simple, the most simplistic version is writers need to make more, which is true. But yes, the, the real what is a writer is get what, compensated. I'm just curious, like somebody who what, writes on yeah. a show. What do they make? They make a thousand dollars a day. They make twenty five thousand dollars an episode, a project. How yeah, does it work? A, it used to be if you think okay. about like the old the old days shows ran longer and if you got a regular writing gig on a tv show yep that was functionally your job david simon talks about this there's a great video the wire creator david simon where he'd be like you get your show you work on your show for 30 weeks out of the year and then you're off for 20 weeks but you made enough mm. on that 30 weeks a year to to live for the whole year and that's how you have a full-time job as a writer and you're a writer on that whole process you you're writing the show and then you're following the show through the production process you're around you're consulting you follow the post-production process you learn how shows are made and that's how you become a david simon where you can be a showrunner you can take Got the it. next show and shepherd it through the whole process what the streamers came along and did netflix hulu peacock all these others they they they've innovated in a way they figured out we don't need 30 weeks of a writer's time, a full 20 plus episode season. We, they're not all making law and order. Sometimes they're making six episode shows, eight episode shows, shorter. They don't need writers for as much time. So what these would be in some cases, like the prestige shows, the white Lotus like or whatever. Exa yeah. Exactly. A six episode, a, a severance, a succession, you know, those seasons are much shorter. It, it, it doesn't take a writer a whole year if they're working on succession, the writer's room for succession might be two months. And mm. then they banged out the 10 episode season and you're presumably on to the next gig. Got but it. it's much, much harder, if not impossible, to build a full time writing career out of the you're now a freelancer. You're just mm -hmm. the next gig, the next gig, the next gig. You constantly have to find the next mm. gig. And what we're also finding is that we're not training the next generation of showrunners okay. and head writers and producers. We're not, wow. we're not creating, it's not a landscape that's conducive to the next Ryan Murphy, the next Shonda Rhimes. We're, we're Got finding it. gig workers who then come in, do a show or two, and then have to so go this back is to Ohio essentially because they're out of jobs. Capitalism at work. The streamers are more like startups. They move faster. They're nimbler. They found a yes. new format that works better, which is prestige TV, shorter, higher quality, whatever, six episode, 10 episode, Queen's Gambit. They only need people for two months. So they're like, well, we're, we're capitalists. We're only going to hire people for two months. They didn't raise their salaries right. for those two months. I assume they wanted to capture, I guess, those profits. So. In, some in some cases, people are making a little bit more like okay. relative to the amount of time they're putting in. But overall, when you consider how much writers are making in the aggregate, it's it's le even though the the writing rates haven't gone down, writers are mm. working for a lot less time. It's a lot fewer jobs to put together, so it, it's becoming harder to build a career. Even though the rates themselves have not dipped dramatically, that's and, what can and, be deceiving when you see how much writers are getting paid. It doesn't drop off a cliff; it just stays it. sort of flat. But there's more people coming to Hollywood and writing all the time, so that's being spread out over a lot mm. more people. So there's competition. There's and more so competition this, for fewer jobs. Yeah. The jobs are shorter time. So a lot mm -hmm. of people just can't put together a full 
career as a writer, even if you could find a gig here, a gig there, there's a lot more people in that space where it's like, I wrote for this show last year and I wrote for this show in January, but now I don't have a job. And and this is, I think, kind of one of the misconceptions about Hollywood. You think everybody's out there like living in a $10 million house. The truth is that era when people were getting rich was based upon the uh, profit sharing that residuals gave people and people would get this nice 10k check or 20k check if their show got you know into reruns or something and you build up two or three shows in a lifetime and now you're making a hundred thousand a year fifty thousand a year on residuals and you're making sixty seventy thousand dollars a year on new work you know you got a six there were a lot of writers in hollywood that could hit six figures a year correct yes and and exactly what you said the idea was once you got that gig, once you got that plum gig, that network TV writer, like if I finally get on after years of toiling away, I land a job at Avid Elementary. I'm in the Avid Elementary writer's room. That's it. I've made it. That show's yes. going to go to syndication. Once the show goes to syndication, I'm getting passive income every mm. year from residuals. And what's happening now with the streamers is there's fewer of those jobs. And even if you get to 50 Netflix episodes, 80 Netflix episodes, well, like, what does that mean? The, the, the syndication rules don't apply. They're not transparent about how many people are watching every show. And so it's a lot harder mm. for people to chase down compensation, even when a show they worked on was considered a hit. Listen, I work with super early stage companies at launch, like literally year zero. They haven't even incorporated yet. And then we hit the Series A. People have thousands of dollars in MRR. And they maybe they've only raised a couple of hundred thousand before that Series A. and they don't have their insurance set up. And in fact, we recently had a great startup that didn't have DNO, and we had to really stop everything because they were having board meetings, they were making massive decisions, there were legal issues, and they didn't have the basic DNO insurance that protects directors and officers. So we sent them right to Embroker. Embroker is business insurance built specifically for startups. A single application will help your startup get four quotes for four lines of coverage in 15 minutes. Think about that, four quotes, four lines, 15 minutes. And they're going to connect you with one of their expert brokers for unmatched service that goes beyond your policy. We use it at launch. It's easy peasy lemon squeezy. It's easy breezy. What more do I need to tell you? I use it. I love it. A lot of our startups use it. They love it. Try and broker today with the code twist and you'll get 10% off their startup package in broker.com slash twist. That's E-M-B-R-O-K-E-R.com slash twist and use the code twist for 10% off. Okay, let's get back to this amazing episode. Yeah, so I, it's very interesting because it does not seem like this is the lion's share of the cost of making a show. No. This seems like it's a no. small percentage. Now, I don't know what percentage the writers are of the overall production of a show, but I do know how much shows cost to produce. It, they they sure. cost 500 an episode to $3 million an episode. We've talked about this forever on the show, and then some of the prestige ones can even be you know, five or 10 million an episode. We, we've seen like the right. Game of Once Thrones. You start talking about Wheel of Time or Game of Thrones, right? got to build sets in Northern Ireland or whatever. That it could right. be 10. I mean, I think we've even heard like Lord of the Rings was, you know, 30 million an episode or whatever. So, it, you know, it starts to get into yeah, some of those fantasy shows. It starts to get into like 100 million for a 10 episode season and, yes. and stuff like that, which is those are. But those if we are just the, go the to upper, a million, upper. if you just go to a million an episode, you know, and you, you blend it all out yeah. and it's a 10 episode, there's 10 million dollars. What, what could the writers cost a million dollars of that 500,000 of it? I don't think they get some yeah, not even a million. I probably think it's has a five lot or 10%. About, yeah, I think we're talking about precedent 
It's in addition uh, to the money itself. I think the concern is hmm. they don't want to give in too much because, well, then SAG comes with their handout that, you know, like you, you set one precedent and then the rest of the streaming era is just people asking for more and they have to make these refigure hmm. these deals. I think there's kind of a don't, you know, like don't give too much up front so that we don't set those right. kinds of expectations. See, I think this is, you know, coming to Netflix. It. The understanding yes. in the industry that I've heard, I don't, I, there's not, this is mostly rumor, but what yeah. people are saying is that it's really Netflix that's the holdout because they have the most to lose. All of their mm. shows are streaming. They're yeah. really the most committed to this mini room, churn things out quickly, make six episodes as a test. They don't want to have to commit to hiring every Hollywood writer, like on a full-time basis and paying them all mm. benefits like that. They're thinking long term, like 20 years from now, we're going to really resent being in that position. Well, and this is part of the problem with um, the dynamic of a union. Uh, notice that I'm not making a judgment on pro-union or not union, but there are dynamics to each of these things. And it's not a free market right now. So you don't have, you know, say Disney or Fox or NBC or somebody taking a different position than Netflix because there's collective bargaining going on here. Um, right. You, you're 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 not having the free market um, dynamics, and if you look at the free market dynamics that happened between Uber, DoorDash, Lyft, Amazon, and then you know people who needed workers like Starbucks uh, or the Apple Store, what we saw over time was, um, you know, Uber wanted those drivers so much, and, and DoorDash wanted those drivers so much that they put pressure on Apple, Starbucks, Target, and Walmart to raise their offering. And then the flexibility that they offered then put Starbucks in a tough position because Starbucks was like, we need you to work like this like onerous 6 a.m. to 11 a.m. Then we don't want you for four hours. Then we do want you to work the rush at night, whatever it was. And, and the market, you know, basically now, if you look at service jobs, we have had a massive escalation in this country of how much service workers get paid. It's up in the 30s now in major cities, and the minimum wage went to 15 in major cities. Now, we could debate if that's a livable lifestyle, whatever, but yeah, obviously- Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's very hard because of the, the lack of transparency here, I think, is a huge issue, especially when you're talking about individuals being able to act on their own leverage. We even saw mm. Seth Rogen a few weeks ago had the, he was at the red carpet for Platonic, his new Apple TV Plus show. He said, even he- super producer movie star Seth Rogen. He has no idea how his stuff is doing on streaming platforms. It comes it. out. They tell him, Hey, Seth Rogen, we like the show. It did great. And he's like, okay, but they don't, he doesn't get numbers. He, this is a guy mm. who used to get, you know, he's a producer. He, he would get data. Yeah. Here's exactly, here's the theaters where sausage party did best. Here's the exact age demo and breakdown. And here's yeah. who went to see it Friday night versus Saturday morning. This is a strategy too, by the way, just so you know, like being a oh, corporate free market monster myself, I can tell you the strategy from the inside, which is if you obscurify the data and then you can, you know, not give people, yeah. uh, you, you have a leg up in the negotiation. Whereas with right. Uber I mean, drivers or DoorDash like, drivers, like that show did okay. Right. Apple and DoorDash drivers, they know exactly how much the ride was, you know, and there's transparency. Oh, they, you know, go, you know, uh, this DoorDash was 30 bucks. They can see the receipt, you know, and, and they're looking at all of those things versus each other. There are apps that tell them, hey, take this ride, do this DoorDash, do Postmates, do Uber Eats, do whatever, Grubhub. 
there are apps that are telling them which rides are the most profitable, right? So that transparency yeah. makes for a more efficient market. I think what Netflix and these folks should do, everybody who's involved in this, is if it was a truly free market and being the free market monster I am in capitalist, I would look at this and I'd say, you know what the, the power move here is? I think the studio should break ranks. I think they should break ranks. And what I would do is I'd say, you know what? We have two ways for you to work. Here's the gig offer and here's the full-time offer. And I would take a Toho Studios approach to this. And I don't know if this is mm -hmm. legal right now, but Toho Studios, as you and I know, having both read Akira Kurosawa's uh, biography, something uh, like an autobiography. I think you read that, yeah? Something like an autobiography? I haven't. I have not. Oh, I have well, never there's your tip. we got to read something like an autobiography. It, it talks about how Toho su yeah. Studios, you know, everybody worked full time. And then they would mm -hmm. go to a mountain retreat, an onsen in Japan, um, and uh, like a spa kind of place. And they would write. Yeah. yeah. They'd have the actors in the room. They'd have the directors, cinematographers come in. They would, you know, workshop stuff. They would start building scenes. But they were all full time. And they would do this three times a year. They would write two or three yeah. screenplays, and then they would pick the best ones. Mm -hmm. And so Toshiro Mifune, Akira Kurosawa, the, the lighting person, the sound person, they all got into a rhythm together, right? This is what Netflix yeah. should do. Is they should just go and say, you know what? These are the top 20 most consistent people. We're going to pay them 75 grand a year, plus this bonus program, plus these raises, plus these benefits. And if you are the writer, and you want to get paid more, but work more like a gig worker, two months on, three months off, fight for your next gig, get it, don't get it, whatever. And, and you know, be a freelancer, fine. But man, I would just come in and I'd buy the top 50 riders and I'd have them come to an office every day. Yeah. I would well, give them lunch. I'd treat them great and make a campus where they felt like, man, I come here and I'm just creatively fulfilled and I feel safe. Like I get rent every month taken care of. I've got my, mm -hmm. you know, my mortgage is like, you know, you have um, I have some amount of security. Yeah, we have practical evidence that this is the right approach. There's there's a show on Netflix right now called The Night Agent. I don't know if you've seen it. I've heard uh, of it. Yeah, it's about an FBI agent. He works overnight in the White House answering yes. this like emergency phone, and then he gets tipped off to a mole. There's a mole in the White House, and he's the only. Whoa! So anyway, it was created by this guy Sean Ryan, who yeah, the Sean Shield, Ryan did the, uh, did the Shield, the Shield, right? Uh, at Burn Notice, I think he worked on a, a he's worked on a few big popular franchise shows. So this, this he created this one, and he came in and he said, "I don't want to do the usual Netflix mini room thing. I'm sick of it. I want an old school writers room." So he brought hmm. in a bunch of young writers. They followed it. They stayed with him the whole time. They wrote the show together. They came to the set. He showed them how to be a showrunner. He brought them into the editing room. That show is now, it's like the number six most popular Netflix show of all time. Like, okay. it's a huge juggernaut. They're bringing it back for multiple seasons. It's That's how to do it. We know how to make a TV show that people like that's compelling. And and we know how to get writers to build these careers. We sort of stop because there's a more cost-effective way of doing Sean it. Why doesn't Sean Ryan or one of these major producers who makes all this money, right? Because they're the ones who mm -hmm. really get the bank. Why don't they just take yeah. their top five or 10 people and say, listen, you're going to work here full time for me. You're going to write spec scripts. We're going to work on stuff. We're going to yeah, punch something. That up. is, I mean, and Shonda, they become like a Shonda law Rimes. firm or something. Yeah. That's Shonda Land, Shonda Rhimes yeah. company. That's Ryan. Uh, Ryan Murphy's got his two or three people that created, you know, Dahmer with him and Glee hmm. with him and American Crime Story. And so that is, there is, and I mean, Tyler Perry would obviously be like the biggest uh -huh. example of he's got his own studio in Atlanta mm. with his own teams of people making show so that that is a model that i think is viable you have to get to a 
Scow. Bridgerton Grey's Anatomy level of mm. success. Dick Wolf would be another example of a guy who's got yeah. his, you know, the Law and Order one Chicago guy. You know, David E. Kelly would have a team. But of I guess people. if they do that, then they would be breaking all the WGA rules. Uh, and so they would get the. Well, I mean, right you'd now, you have to yeah, get people to break their union rules to go work full time. So I think just giving more options to people is how business is headed. There are people who want to come to an office. There's people who want stability. There's people who want to be freelancers, people who want to set their own schedules. I think in this sure. modern era, you got to give people an option of how they want to work. Listen, are you sore and tired all day? You know, uh, you're working really hard. You're probably working out. You're walking around. You're doing runs. Well, I have been using the Hypervolt 2 massage gun for weeks. It is amazing. And, uh, you know, I started running again. I was reading this uh, Peter Attila book about my health span. And I was like, you know what? I got to get into this zone two, zone three. But man, my muscles are sore. Getting back into it when you're 50, ugh. And it helps get all those knots out. It loosens my muscles. I sleep better. And then I am just moving better throughout the day. The Hypervolt comes with five head attachments. Plus, it has three different levels of percussion massage. So you can customize it any way you like. It's super lightweight. It's super quiet. And they make a bunch of other products, a heat and massage wearables for your back. They also have these amazing new Normatec dynamic air compression boots. These things are insane. So here's a call to action. You're going to love this stuff. Get 50 bucks off an order of 150 or more with the code twist50 at checkout. And just head to hyperice.com and use that code twist50 for $50 off your purchase of 150 or more. I think you have to have a more sustainable road to a professional mm. TV and film writing career because that's mm. a high skill job that despite the idea of maybe we can have, you know, chat GPT do it or we could just pull young people out of right out of film writers school are and have using chat GPT, right? I mean, of course, writers are using it to brainstorm, right? Just like they read I mean, old scripts. Of course. Uh, are people yes. using it to knock around ideas to outline things? I'm sure they are. I'm sure many, many people yeah, are. I'm sure it's already in use out there. Naturally, obviously, of course. I don't know how I've tried to use it if you I don't know how useful it is, at least yet. Yeah. Maybe one day, you know, um, new new innovations are coming every day. But uh for well, right now, um, I think it's who's whose dialogue not, do you who whose dialogue do you think is fantastic in a in a in a movie? I mean, we were talking about David Simon. I think it's hard to top the wire. I think David yeah. Chase, the guy who wrote Sopranos, Matt okay. Weiner, who wrote Mad Men, Vince yeah. Gilligan and his crew did Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Um, so I if like you Dan were to ask it, like, give me some dialogue uh, from The Sopranos. Um, but I mean, try it. Yeah, like, around um, it, 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 a can, it, it's still at the level of like a very precocious child. Yes. Like if you asked a very precocious child, write me a TV scene, you wouldn't expect them to write you a scene that would actually be on television. If they could write you anything that was in screenplay format, you'd be like, oh, my God, you're only seven years old. That's very impressive. I think that's where ChatGPT is. Like we're amazed that it can do it because it's software. Yeah. But it's not yet at the point where I would be like, this is a great scene. Put mm. this on television. Like it's not creative. It's not funny. It's yeah. just amazing that a robot can do that at all, I think, is where we're yeah. at. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's where, like, when you have ideas, um, you know, you could very quickly ask it, hey, make me a scene, a hypothetical dialogue around Tony really. Soprano, Polly Walnuts, you know, 
uh, stealing Bitcoin. I think we and wish. I think I think there's a wish that it would work that way. Like you could break writing down into a factory assembly line, and like I'm over here putting the final thing together, but you've got a robot over there banging out widgets. But that's not. It's it. Yeah, I don't but think it, I do think really it's going to be. Yeah, I don't think it's how people creatively work, but I do think it's how people brainstorm. And so. I think if you think about brainstorming, if you were going to brainstorm, you would watch old Sopranos episodes. shows, you'd pull, you know, you might pull some sure. scripts. And I mean, everybody, yeah, you make super brainstorming processes yeah. their own. So I'm sure yeah. it's, it's helpful in that level for a lot of people to just, what are the 20 places a scene like this could happen? Or what are That's the, what I think the magic characters is. who could pop up in here? Sure. I'm, I'm not. And no if you, one, so no if you believe that, that I, then the next thing is, do you believe, um, if you believe that, then the question becomes, do you believe a writer could be faster? And obviously, writers are faster because of things like word processors or final draft, I guess, as a standard. So how much faster could they be? I think they'll be 30% faster. Now, do you want to yeah. have the same cost structure? Do you want to save money? Do you want to have seven writers instead of 10? Or do you want to still have the 10 writers and just make better content? And since this is such I a de minimis... I think, I think yeah. we're... I think we're in very theoretical territory when we start saying ChatGPT is going to make people significantly faster mm. at writing. Because I don't think yeah. the things that would make you faster at writing are not the things that ChatGPT is going to like. Example? Like a lot more brainstorming. Uh, you're, just like we said, it's useful for brainstorming, but that brainstorming is not the time consuming part of writing. The time consuming mm -hmm. part of writing is when you have your outline done and then you're sitting in front of a blank page and you're like, mm. I have to create this world from scratch. I have to. Mm. Think about Tony Soprano as a person and figure out how he would express himself and move through the world. For right now, and I, I'm not a futurist, I can't see 30 years <laughs> from now, maybe computers will get very good at this. For right now, computers aren't very good at that. For right now, computers are very good at what are 30 possible locations a Soprano scene could take place in. And it could go, oh, the boardwalk in New Jersey yeah. or a... So what it's going to be really good at is... I think this is the thing they're trying to stop. This is where I think the WGA strike is so fascinating to me is that they're striking at the exact time that this stuff is getting 10% better a week, which means every two months, it's basically twice as good. And I think that's where creativity. Oh yeah, it is. I'm, yeah, I'm not absolutely getting, like watching. Is it getting 10% better in the aggregate at all, everything it does a week? Sure. Is it getting 10% more funny and creative every week? I haven't seen any change in that at all yet. Mm. Not one since it debuted uh, to today. It's not any funnier. Yeah. So, um, you, you know, let me just share something with you here. Hold on. While we were talking. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, is it, is it getting better at taking the LSAT? Absolutely. No argument. Yes. It's getting yeah. a lot better at stuff like that. I've seen it with my own two eyeballs. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's getting better at conversation. Like when it first debuted versus today, it feels more organically like a real natural conversational voice that you're talking to. Yeah. I agree with that. But I don't uh, think it's so, getting a it's not man, as better I'm trying to share. Writer. I just made I just made a thing here. I'll just read it to you. Um so okay. I asked it to do a Bitcoin like uh Sopranos episode. And mm -hmm. uh, interior, bada bing, Tony, Paul, and Sylvia. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's a good place to do okay, it. Okay, that's Tony. What's this I'm be. hearing about, Pauly? Some kind of magic internet money, Pauly? It's called Bitcoin. T. It's not exactly magic. More like mathematical. Sylvia, mathematical. What are we back at school now, Pauly? Nah, still oh. 
it's like digital cash. It's like anonymous, untraceable, like cash money online. But Tony, sounds like a scam to me. Paulie, some people say that, but look, it's been around more than 10 years now. They say it's worth a fortune. Sylvia, who's they? <laughs> Paulie, the internet still. So you're saying you can you can't you can steal this Bitcoin and no one will know? Paulie, well, in theory, yes, but it's not like robbing a bank T, it's all code, computers hacks. You get the idea. Um and so I get like, the idea. But that's and like again, it's 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 impressive that it knows the bada bing, it knows these characters, it can do that yes. Jersey Italian guy voice. It knows no to call him T. It knows it calls him T. Yeah, that's that's wild. Like, I, yeah. it's a very impressive technological feat. No argument. But yeah. I, that's not a good Sopranos episode. If you film that with those actors, you'd be like, "What the hell is this?" But what it you know, when I look at view. it, what I see is like the ideas, like, "Oh, magical internet money!" Like, that's a funny place to kind of like fork and be but, like, "Matt, yeah, we could, we could could workshop that, right?" Yeah, I, I mean, I guess, but like. I, I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't have a it doesn't have a experience in the world. It doesn't have a soul. It doesn't have feelings. Yeah. It like those are mm. the things you tap into when you're writing creatively. Yeah. Not not all kinds of writing. When you're writing ad copy, maybe it, it's gonna be yeah. great at that, you know, like at, at all different kinds of writing are different. So I'm not saying but this the is writers true about are demanding the writers are asking that no training data will be put into AI and that right. well, AI will be bad for the writer's room. I think for Hollywood writers, there's there's two key things. One is we don't have to collaborate with AI. Like we're not going to be asked to like, here's a script mm. that AI turned out, you fix it. Mm -hmm. And then I think the okay. other thing, which is even a bigger one, is AI can't be the originator of copywritten material, which uh -huh. is like we couldn't ask an AI, give me 50 pitches for a new Adam Sandler movie take the one we like, mm. and then just hire a writer to write that. I think everybody recognizes the danger there, which is that creative people would cease to own any of the ideas. Anything. Hollywood would, mm. studios would own every idea because they would churn them out with computers, and then they would just hire writers as gig workers to come and fix their Don't computer they pitches. do this a bit now when they say, we want a show that is X and they kind of do an RFP for a request for proposal. Don't, don't the studios say, hey, we're looking for X, Y, and Z? Oh, sure. Sometimes. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they definitely put out, like, they let people's managers know, like, we want action, mm. comedy. We'd like it to, you know, mm -hmm. be this, uh, you know, give me a, give me a Jason Momoa type character. Give me a this type. You know, yeah, got of course, it. of course. But they don't try to overreach and say, hey, we've got a new character. His name is Bames John. Yeah. And he's right. like it's Jason Bourne, because then it's the it's who owns it, you know, like that, Got and it. that's for mm. money. As far as money and deals go, who owns the idea is such a huge like. That's what made Shonda Rhimes Shonda Rhimes is that a lot of people worked on mm. Grey's Anatomy, but she came up with Grey's Anatomy. That's the thing. And if a computer came up yeah. with Grey's Anatomy, then nobody makes that Shonda Rhimes money. How does this end? What do you like think the studio happen? keeps it? What do you think is going to happen here? I mean, because this seems to me to I be the like worst possible time it's bad. to be negotiating <laughs> with the studios because the studios have overspent and they're trying to make less content, right? They, the streaming services yes. are losing money. We're going into a recession or we've had this like 18 month period where their stocks have been the, crushed. The, Disney's cutting costs. So this is the absolute bad, yeah. worst time to negotiate. Well, right? yes and no. I mean, it, it, for everything you're saying is true. Yeah. Uh, the, the bottom has fallen out from the streaming marketplace, digital ad 
market is crashing terribly. These companies are losing money going out of business. AMC's in desperate straits. Got it. So yeah, it's, it's the timing's not great. But on the other hand, they do have a lot of leverage right now. All of these studios recently came out with these huge uh, new platforms that they've marketed for years and they've made a lot of promises mm. to their audience. I mean, the new HBO Max, Max is literally came out yesterday. So mm -hmm. it, it is a very visible time to be like, oh yeah, well, if you want content for all your shiny new platforms, you need to come make better deals with us. So, I mean- mm. There's never what a do the writers want? Do the like writers this? want full time work, or do the writers want like um, you know? Do the writers want security, or do they want flexibility? If you had to pick one, I think it's more about security. I think it's Got more it. about a lot of people are looking that okay. there are fewer and fewer reliable full time jobs that you can build a life off of, that you can mm -hmm. build a career off of. Yeah. If you're 22, you can come in and work a bunch of mini rooms and make a bunch of money and be fine. But people who want to have a house and a family based on being a TV writer, Got it. it's becoming almost impossible to do that. And, and I think three or four years ago was the boom time. Thing. Three or four years ago was the boom time. People were just sweeping the money. I heard they couldn't get writers. They were adding writers like crazy. So it's a boom bust cycle. There was a, yes, we had a ridiculous <laughs> explosion in interest in these streaming platforms that really came to a head, like in the immediate sort of pre-pandemic mm -hmm. era, 2018, 2019. Uh, mm. And now we're seeing, you know, the inevitable reverse. Developer talent is the most precious resource for B2B startups. You know that. And you want your developers focused on product, not on compliance, right? You want product. You want to ship features for your users. And when you're selling B2B software to large enterprises, well, you're going to need to jump through a ton of security and compliance hoops. You know that. One of those hoops, especially for large companies, is the customers want to host your software on their cloud. And you need to build that out on a per customer basis. It's a lot of work, right? B2B startups constantly face this dilemma. Do you keep your developers focused on the infrastructure, which is going to hurt your product velocity? Or do you keep them focused on product velocity, which is going to delay your ability to close large customers? Well, there is now a solution for you. It's called release delivery. They automate the creation of enterprise class app delivery for private clouds and single tenant applications. This lets you deliver your software seamlessly to any customer environment. And this is going to unlock a ton of revenue potential for you. Basically, all the big fish require this, you know that release delivery is going to put all the tedious stuff on autopilot for you. You can turn your ideas into apps and deploy those apps quickly and flexibly. Let release show you the power of release delivery and get your first month free at release.com slash twist. That's right. They got that domain name release.com. What a great domain name. That's up to $10,000 in value at release.com slash twist. Uh, here's uh, all right. Well, let me just see. You, you said pitches weren't going to work. So here we go. Well, we'll pull this up on the screen <laughs> I didn't here. I say they weren't going to work. I well, said I don't know. Let's see. Right let's see what now. happens here. We'll pull it up on the screen here. Make it two times bigger. Oh, here we go. We did Adam Sandler movie pitch. Here's what ChatGPT thinks Adam Sandler movies. Hollywood Handyman. This is one of the three picture deals we're doing mm -hmm. with Adam Sandler. Sandler plays a bumbling handyman to the stars in Hollywood, accidentally messing up their homes, but always solving the problem in an unexpected and hilarious way has to navigate the delicate egos of A-list uh, clientele. Hmm. Unorthodox methods. There's something there. I like Hollywood handyman. Surfs down. Uh, listen, Sam 
Could a could a clever writer turn that into a movie? Sure. I mean, I yes. think that's why we're having this. That's why this is such an important debate because, in terms of a log line, mm-hmm. yeah, ChatGPT could come up with a log line. What's a sure. log line? The hard part is execute. Basically, a log line is a one sentence description of ah. the, your your project. So, mm-hmm. like Adam Sandler plays a bumbling handyman to the stars in Hollywood. That would be the Got log it. line for that. All right, here for we go. Movie. Second and one. That's the sort of thing that. Ideas like that are relatively cheap. It's the execution that's everything. Mm-hmm. Surf's down. Surf's down. Sandler is a retired professional surfer who must come back <laughs> for one more competition to save his old beach hangout from being bought by a ruthless corporation. This is great. I will say, I will say a, a fun thing you could do there was you'd, you'd obviously cast like a very good looking hunky guy to be like young Sandler, like make that yes. the joke that. You yes. get like this, this Jacob Elordi, 23 year old, like huge muscular guy, 90s and then guy, just killing be, it. And now right. Sandler is Sandler. And now he's this schlub who's Adam Sandler yes. and he's got to get back to you. Right. And you get this like chubby guy on a board doing right. sick but moves see, and beating I all the of that part. Yes, Chat you GPT did. He didn't come up with that part. Mm-hmm. I thought of that. Yes. All along the way, he must face his fear of big waves resulting from a past traumatic event. Wow. So yes, the thing that took him out of competition was a big wave. He got dragged under. He almost drowned. He got saved by a dolphin. And now he's got to do a, a, a huge one. The help is all crew and but a newcomer kid. The dolphin is the funny part. And you just added that. Not that's Chat true. GPT. That's true. I'm punching it up. Me and Chat You're GPT. punching it up. They rekindled the spirit of surfing in the community and take the corporate on the corporate. This is kind of like the corporate giants in uh, you know Local Hero, one of my favorite films. Exactly. The Mark Knopfler soundtrack. Well, you know, I mean, like, that, that's the other... On a more con- we're talking about this very practically, but on a conceptual level, it's the same thing. Like writers are saying, this is not original. Like the the robot didn't think of that story. It's just cribbing from millions yeah. of other stories written by years and years of other writers. It's and that's it's just taking tropes from old school. Yeah, but plays. that's what happens in Hollywood. People come in and say, "Hey, this is Blade Runner meets The Goonies," and you're like okay you know but they took that they fused those ideas together themselves creatively into something new museum misadventures here we go this one is interesting (laughs) this one's completely stolen museum misadventures sandler plays a disgruntled night security card wait a second this is night at the museum (laughs) it's a ben stiller movie wait a second chad gpt's gonna get sued for plagiarism (laughs) yeah (laughs) we figured it out lot and i figured it out listen yeah this this is my message to the streamers uh general zaslov bob Iggy, all of my people there <laughs> yeah. the writers are crushing it right now they're crushing it man that show secession i was like ah, okay four seasons whatever and you know and then obviously if you if, listen if you, if you haven't watched it th- you know just fast forward 10 minutes here we'll just keep it to under 10 the <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> We're going to go for a hundred minutes like we do with Tar. Um, Listen. No, but I mean, they kill Logan Roy in the third episode and you're like, well, there's the show. And I'm like, wait a second, but the show is called Secession. So maybe we'll find out who actually, is, yeah. you know, uh, you know, it's, like, it's in the name. <laughs> We're going to find out who gets it's to coming, run this company. We're coming down to it now. We're now we got one episode left. And literally every yeah. week we're sitting here going, oh my God, that was the best episode ever. That was the best episode ever. No, that was the best episode ever. That was the best performance ever. That was the best line ever. This thing is going to go down as a top 10 show in HBO's history, yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're they're absolutely killing it this final season. The performances are just, you know, like, because 
the the Roy kids, Brian Cox, obviously they're getting a ton of praise, deservedly so. Kieran Culkin's been amazing this year. Sarah Snook's been so good. But the one who really stood out to me, Alexander Skarsgård as Lucas yes. Maxson is yes. amazing. And like, there's so many levels to it of like, he's always playing games with people, but there is this kind of weird sincerity, this like, kind of creepy, oddball, eccentric. Little asperger quirky. He's, he's doing so much. Mushrooms. And it, yeah. Yeah. And you can see like, it's a very original, like he's his own guy. It doesn't feel like he's doing an impersonation, but it does. It feels like he's touching on so many. It's a little Peter Thiel in there. There's a little Daniel Ash from Spotify. They kind of. Exactly. The Spotify, you know, because it's from a Nordic country, they kind of took that. And then they kind of took like a little bit of a burning man and wacky culture. And he's a little bit. He's got a little Jack Dorsey. It's a little little Jack Dorsey. It's a a lot of different, different beats. It it doesn't feel like he's playing one person, but it feels like this is a guy that I could see fitting into the tech Overall business in 2023 like i understand totally. who lucas matson is yes Re- really good he's really and good. They, they nailed rupert murdoch or sumner redstone but really rupert uh, you know with logan it's, roy yeah and then with the kids Especially you this know season, yeah yeah and with the kids you don't you, you know you don't know james murdoch i do i've met him a bunch of times like um <laughs> yeah, the, I, don't know. I don't think that the the kids are total screw-ups um they're very smart but they also just happen to have this iconic dad who has done things that are cutthroat yeah. and i mean that uh i don't know who his bro who plays his brother on the show james cromwell uh, james, james I mean, cromwell whoa james cromwell yeah. comes in and just <laughs> you know like dunks it on the entire cast and then kieran Calkin comes in and gives the heartfelt of the you know like is my dad in there can we get him out you're like yeah, well, yeah that's what happens when your dad dies you get crushed right it's the you, you can't believe yeah. that that's you know that's everybody's dad dying and then you have uh lunatic method actor uh yeah jeremy strong jeremy strong Kendall, comes in yeah. and he's like you know what great job uh now i'm gonna come in and i am gonna say my god i hope i have that monster inside of me because capitalism and getting things done and the strong man in the world is an important role in the world. And he does this whole Anne Rand thing. And I'm like, oh my yeah. Lord, what have we just witnessed? Like they just summed up <laughs> in those three yeah. eulogies, they summed up. And I, I don't mean to leave Shiv out of it, but she was just heartbroken and crestfallen and, you know, just still hasn't reconciled what it means to be a woman in this world with her dad. Right. And just. That was yeah. pretty great too, but he it couldn't was, fit a whole woman in his head. Was yeah, the was, that was, which, is, which is incredible. Well, I mean, and so now I, in I, it, four eulogies, yeah. what have we seen? The entire range of humanity in the twenty first century. So hard to do too, because we the whole show we've known this is coming and it's been building up to it. To still like so, sort of surprises in that way, and it tied in so beautifully with the election night episode. You know, they've all spent this whole show dreaming of becoming their dad trying to become their dad wanting to replace their dad and then here's this moment of you know truth where it's like well here's what your dad would have done here's the kind of person he really was and they're facing that moment and you know do they have the guts to really go through with it only roman was really ready to go through that door the others were like oh i don't know he's kind of a bad guy and oh he's kind of white supremacist yeah and roman was like doesn't matter who cares who's yeah, president. Plays. This is what's good for us. This is the play, you know. It play- I'm, and, I'm going and it for plays. It. It's going to be ratings, and we got him in our pocket. Yeah. He's willing to play ball. The and other guy doesn't what, play ball. Exactly what he said. Like, what would dad have done? That's what. That's what dad would have done. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, Seth, but, what a show. So yeah. anyway, my message to the watching, writers. The one other one I wanted to mention, because uh, it's relatively new still. Are you watching Silo on Apple TV Plus? You know, it literally just came up because one of the Highly ways. I recommend Silo. Well, one of the ways I determine what is a good show to watch is I go Rotten Tomatoes, um, a Metacritic. And then I look mm. at what trends on uh, like the dark web, like on uh, BitNet and uh, not BitNet. Um, that's the precursor of the internet. Uh, BitTorrent. BitTorrent. Sure. And, it, you know, if you look at the BitTorrent 100, which is I literally used because I pay for everything. I don't need to steal anything, but I get the BitTorrent 100. Just to um, see what people are watching. Globally yeah. downloading. And Silo was like three or four of the top 10. And I'm like, well, yeah, this must be really good. good. So it's I'm going to. But it's, it's a like sci-fi. A so I have to wait for my wife. That's my yeah, deal it's like with my wife. Sci-fi. They all live in this this very elaborate underground bunker, right? And they don't know, you know, Love something it. happened. The environment's toxic. Can't leave the bunker. But then it becomes like investigating the nature. Who built Great. the bunker and what really happened outside and why can't we go Let's out? Let's go. It Love just, it. Yeah. Great, great. Got a little bit of lost in there, a little bit of lost, like we're going to reveal what happened kind of situation. A little bit of lost, a little bit of severance where it's got, it's a sci-fi mystery, you know, and it just keeps getting weirder. And yeah, like Rebecca Mm. Ferguson, Tim Robbins, it's really good. I think be generous to the writers and lock them down. This is my free market monster advice. Uh, I think the unions are blowing it here. The unions should go for full-time employment. That's what they should be leveraging here is they should have two paths. Here's the freelance path. Here's the full time writer path. And try to, you know, create options for people. This is what I this is what I've learned in business. You know, running inside.com running the investment firm investing in 300 companies. You know, I used to think like, okay, it can only be one way, you know, and because it had only been one way. And then what you realize is, after the pandemic, well, it can be a couple different ways. And if you make it so people get to choose, then they have agency. And when people have agency, then they take more responsibility and they stop acting like worker bees and they start acting a little bit more like owners. And the agency here right. would be, I could be a full-time writer, I could sign a two-year deal, and maybe they're two-year deals. I'm going to go full-time for Netflix for two years at this rate, and it, my, my pay is going to be spread out here, and I, ha- and, I, and I have to work on whatever they tell me to work on for 40 hours a week. Or I'm over 75K and it's a staff position and I, you know, I'm expected to put in 50, 60 hours a week, whatever it is. This functionally is, this is what the writers are sort of asking for, is is not not necessarily, they, they, you know, a, a, a pathway to making this a reasonable job that you could really work. I think the exact deal you're talking about, if you went to a lot of these striking writers and said, They'd here's what it. we're offering, I think they would take it. I think that yeah. the, the thing that people are upset with right now is that it's not this a writing career in hollywood is not very sustainable until you get to yes that very very top tier where you're vince gilligan whoever cracks this is what i this is my advice to the other side zaslav Iger, reed hastings one of you jump the fence one of you break ranks and you say here's our proposal we don't need to negotiate as a group we're offering the full-time employment option. And then whatever you guys work out, you can work out in your own time. Whatever the freelance thing is, have at it. You know, we'll agree with whatever you all come to terms with. But we're going to hire 100 full-time writers. And we want to have these folks. And we're giving them Disney, Netflix stock. We're going to give you stock options. And if your show is great, we're going to give you bigger bonuses. So if you come up with Silo and you work on Silo and it hits these benchmarks, you get more stock in Disney, in Netflix. 
which would then put them on the level, they would align these folks, the creatives with the CEO of the company. That's what you want. That's what Apple has. That's what Google has. That's what Facebook has. That's what we do in Silicon Valley. Take a page from Silicon Valley. Netflix doesn't have to take a page from this. They need only break ranks from the WGA and the whatever the, what they're is the, the group? Ones, they're the ones who are holding the AM, break ranks. The AM, yeah. AMPTP? PTP, yeah. The American S- Motion Picture and Television Producers. What a s- terrible acronym. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, the studios, great. the streamers, the studios should right. break ranks. Trust me, this would be the best for everybody. The top, and you say, first hundred riders in, get the gigs. We're going we're gonna to hire great riders, and um, the race is on to get one of these hundred full-time seats. And then when we have overflow work, yeah, we're going to do freelancers. And let people it's funny have because what you're there, what you're proposing is yeah. it's very much like old Hollywood, like the old studio, Hollywood. like RKO would be yes. hiring like a room full of writers, and they'd be like, "You, you're doing a wrestling picture, go write." You know, like you yes. are getting assignments, and you know what? With ChatGPT, you, you can catch up pretty quick because you have the ChatGPT. <laughs> and then this whole thing of like, "Oh, did ChatGPT help me?" It's like, who cares if it helps you? You're a full time employee. Write great stuff. If you write it fast, well, if you write it no, slow, it doesn't I, matter. You, Just write great stuff. You still need, writers still need to have some sort of ownership in the things they're creating, residuals. That's, again, that's how you build a long That's why I like stock like, options. Why would you want just yeah. residuals in one show when you could own Disney stock? Own the Disney I mean, stock, as never long sell as you it. Worked out, as long as you worked out some alternative like mm-hmm. that that also provides compensation, sure. Then in, in that case, sure. All right. Let's rip whip through some other news here. We also have uh, HBO Max. It's yeah. going to be called Max. No more. It's just Max now. Well, it's good. It's more than doubled in size because it's got all the Discovery shows now. I don't. I mean, I like so, shark stuff with my kids. I like nature documentaries. Yeah. So that that's good for I me. Mean, literally, they thirty five thousand hours of content in the new Max, more than double what was on the old Same HBO price? Max, and it's. Same price, uh, right. and it's you so, know now it's got HGTV, Discovery, Food Network. Uh, I, might, know, I may be uh, down with some Food Network. Shows. Yeah, I'm down with some Food Network. Yeah. So like, right? If you want the complete diners, dive in, drive ins, and dives, that's now <laughs> on Max. Yep. And yeah, it's a, it, you know pricing. Pricing is the same. Um, so uh, so there you go. Commercial free tier remains fifteen ninety nine a month. Ad supported tier ten bucks a month. They added a new tier. And they've got $20 a twenty dollars per month new tier. Yeah with hd so it's 4k max ultimate ad free what does that mean it's uh oh you can stream in 4k and uh they have that offline so like you just like netflix you could download a few Mm. episodes of a show that's what i want on the plane yes 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 i like that that's the new 20 dollar max max plan great i love it great job um that works for me i think and i guess people are a little um I guess they're a little, uh, uh, some people are hand-wringing about HBO Max versus Max. Who cares? You, you get used to well, it. There was a little saltiness in, in general. Like, they're they're doing some weird stuff in terms of how they credit. Like, they used to list credits by, like, directors, writers, and all, you know. Now they're just lumping all the credits in this, like, little box called creators. So, yeah, okay. you can see here, like, the creators of Raging Bull include Peter Savage, Martin Scorsese, Paul Schrader, who wrote it, Jake LaMotta, who it's about, or like, it's just a weird Hmm. thing that, that writers are not, not super happy about. Yeah. That seems Uh, unfair. That seems like a power move. That seems like a, what we call in the business, a D move. Like it's a, it's a D bag move. There's some power play there to. Right. Well, 
because now nobody who directed it, nobody, they, these people created it. It, it, it. It's another attempt to like put all films, TV shows, mm. YouTube videos, Twitch streams. It's all just content now. It's not, yeah. you know, like they don't differentiate. So people are a little salty about that. And and in general, it's not a great time to be David Zaslav in Hollywood. He's got a lot of negative buzz. Oh, did you see but him getting booed? That... He gave, uh, yeah, did you see I this did. clip? Boston we'll play University, the... yeah. Yeah, uh, we'll insert the clip right here. I have the honor to present David Zaslav for Boston University's honorary degree. He was at Boston University, and the uh, graduating class chanted, pay your writers. Um, So, right, I I feel like the the launch comes at a a bad time for them, but I don't think people are that upset about just the idea of Hmm. Discovery content teaming with with HBO Max content, and I think that, uh, you know, I think think they're right in some ways that this is a more well-rounded catalog now, whereas HBO Max before leaned in favor of prestige shows stuff that appeals to people like me who love hbo kind of that kind of peak tv content this now has a ton more family stuff it's got a ton yeah. more reality tv unscripted documentary but if I click style the hbo shows. button i'm in the hbo world so just like when i'm in the you disney app find, i click the star wars button or the marvel button i'm in that world and i don't have to see you the can other still stuff find your hbo stuff you can still find your warner brothers movies and your harry yeah. potter films and whatever there's some hbo show that uh was at Cannes that they're saying it's like about a pop star or something, but it's kind of like the new euphoria the or something. Yeah. It's, it's actually, I think it was Hank Azaria in it or somebody. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Hank Azaria is in it. I believe. Cool. Uh, I love Hank. Sam Levinson yeah. who created euphoria. He's Barry Levinson, rain man director, Barry Levinson's son. Mm-hmm. Uh, he co-created it with the weekend, you know, the, yeah. the guy who oh, sings, okay. uh, blinding lights and the R and B singer. They're saying it's got uh, some shocking also- scenes in it shocking it's very device very controversial the, the, the setup is the weekend plays this guy who's a club owner in la and also like a weird like cult leader guru mm. and this young pop star lily rose depp johnny depp's daughter oh yeah she's uh, great she she plays this up-and-coming pop star who kind of falls into his web of influence and sort of he becomes like kind of this Bengali kind of force in her life controlling her wait a second so wasn't this like a lot the- of Kesha didn't the artist Kesha have somebody who was this, an abusive yeah. person? Dr. And Luke, I believe, is that guy's name, yeah, the producer. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, so, I mean, there are lots of weird power dynamic Hollywood music industry kinds of stories that I think this is playing off of. But it, it's it apparently the show is pretty sexually explicit and really dives into a lot of the domination submission kind of themes and and yeah it's it it, mm. it it it's been very controversial so far and rolling stone oh. also published an expose about how it was kind of a wild out of control set and very chaotic well that's what they said about uh, euphoria which, is that there was some uncomfortableness on the euphoria right. set as well so i guess yes. if you're so these are pushing these are the envelope that have plagued sam levinson yeah if you're pushing the envelope on some of this content um you're it's yeah Right. Interesting. But, uh, I mean, Euphoria is terrifying. This terrifying <laughs> yeah, well, as, a, as parent. a parent. I admit. Oh. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I just mean, like kids doing. Too. Yeah. And just kids doing like really things kids shouldn't be doing. And you're like, I guess some kids are doing things they shouldn't be doing, but this is really pushing the envelope. Spotify. It always, it always feels to me like that Larry Clark stuff. You remember like kids, that 90s movie, yes. kids, and he did Bully yes. and a few others where it's like nobody's saying that they're 
that this is not happening at all. There are definitely kids like this, but it also kind of exists to be this sort of salacious, Mm -hmm. exploitative, like make you afraid for the children. Yeah, it seems like it's a playbook of like, this is going to terrorize parents and it's going to create some, I guess, PR or whatever, or or it could just be a buzz. Or it could just be artistically what they want to pursue, you know, in the way Scorsese wanted to pursue Taxi Driver. I guess it was, in some ways, people said the same thing about Taxi Driver. People said the same thing about Pulp yeah. Fiction, which has uh, essay in it. Um, to use, uh, I guess, yeah, Taxi Driver got booed at, at Cannes for the violence. Mm-hmm. People were very disturbed by that 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 final sequence where yes, which is just everybody's the, yeah, and and that the, was black and white, bath, right? Yeah. If I'm correct, and. So I think you, some of it is, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think it's black and white, so they they, they kind of tried to obscurify it a bit. Um, yeah. Pretty interesting uh, news in the podcasting space, which affects me, so I uh, want to bring it up. Spotify reportedly developing bots to mimic your favorite hosts. And so Bill Simmons, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, founder The Ringer, Spotify purchased it for over $200 uh-huh. million, I, I understand. And he has a new show with Derek Thompson, who's kind of a cool uh, podcast host and thinker. and Here's a clip of Bill discussing this with the change. I'm glad you brought this up because I, I don't think I'm, I don't think Spotify is going to get mad at me for this. Like we're developing that stuff and we're, there mm. is going to be a way to use my voice for the ads. You have to obviously give the approval for the voice, but it opens up from an advertising standpoint, all of these different great possibilities for you could have localized. Let's say we did a thing with like a ticket, ticket resale or something like that. You could geo-target that for each city. I, the more interesting thing for me with that is, could you take my podcast, like it, me and House and Jacoby talking about Game 2 Lakers Nuggets, which will be right before this part of the podcast. Could they take that and make AI Spanish version of it? Could they mm. put it in French? Could the AI people, could they take the translations and just quickly take our voices and just make a podcast in 35 languages? And the answer to that is yes, we've been pitched on it by tons of startups already. So this podcast could be in 10 languages, but they would take our voices on. Here's my my chief concern would be what happens when an advertiser contacts the ringer and says, hey, in this one episode, your host says this about our company. We don't we don't like Mm. that. We find that offensive. Can you go and edit that and make him say something else? Yes. If you've already signed off and said the ringer's allowed to edit my voice with AI, what's stopping them from putting words in my mouth? Yeah, this has got to be against the rules and the contracts. Luckily, I own and uh, you know, produce yeah, my I mean, own podcast, big... but that's a big one. Right. You, you in your situation, there you don't have a producer who would come in and take the rate. But if, I, if I'm on a ringer but show, I, what, I don't own that show. There's an opportunity for me, which is if I misspoke and i said oh they have a billion subscribers and it was really like oh they have a million subscribers in post-production of my team came to me and said hey we're just going to have the ai yeah. have you say million millions you said billions by accident and fix it great yeah um, i would be okay with that but that's yes what's so fascinating about these things is it's always both sides of the coin we can always yeah. think of a scenario where like oh this would be super helpful like like yeah mm-hmm. I, I totally get like bill simmons could put his podcast all around the world and it's his voice and it sounds like I him love and it. People yeah. get to know him instead of a guest host or a translator. I want to be like, big in Japan. Of course, yeah. yeah, everybody understands the immediate appeal of an idea like that. But then there's, but then there's the flip side of like, but then what's stopping you know him from going to somebody else's show and saying, you know what, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I think he he's unfair to Fast Ten. I'm gonna have his review be a little bit warmer. Like, it's Ooh. funny too because like I was thinking about the ad reads and I was thinking, gosh, you know, like one of the you know chores of a podcaster's life, you know, you have to do your chores in life. Is Bill Simmons reads a lot of ads, and Bill Simmons has yeah. to read a lot of ads because he's the figurehead. He will read ads for other shows in the network, and I'm sure that's got to take a couple hours a week for him. And I bet you yeah. there's more advertisers who want to do custom things so i could do an ad for you know whatever toyota but if it was like you said if it's in new york i could say and call you know jimmy at you know brooklyn toyota and number four 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 five 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 one two one two and be like wow jimmy got a custom ad and they'll pay an extra 10 percent for that that would be dope and then if he didn't have to read it like when you used to listen to like Howard Stern and every time they'd have a celebrity come in, they'd have them record like a bug, like for the, yes. for the radio station. Like you wouldn't have to have people come in and do that. You could just call their people and be like, hey, can we use Snoop Dogg's voice to say you're listening to KLSX? Yeah, you like, sure. You know, like you could, you don't need to bother these people. And like even uh, Ryan Reynolds helps us out sometimes for honest trailers. Like he's recorded, you know, oh, really? as Deadpool, he'll do voiceover for us. Ah. He's such a, he's such a nice guy. He's really great at helping us out. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. We don't, we wouldn't have to bother Ryan Reynolds, the person anymore to like sneak off into the corner and record some Deadpool audio on your phone for us. He could just say, yeah, here's a, here's an AI Deadpool. You can have him say whatever you want. I mean, if, I mean, can you imagine if like, it already I exists. could speak you know. in Arabic and people could listen to the show in the UAE. I just got back from Dubai in the UAB, UAE and like, wow. Um, I mean, that tech already exists. You could already basically make a make a celebrity say whatever you want. Like I've heard. Oh, Joe no, people Biden are doing it with me already. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, people are having yeah. these. I mean, <laughs> there was somebody who created an all in thing where you could take any pop culture song, uh, you know, like a hip hop song and then have us sing it. Sure. And like one yeah. of them has like the N word in it. And I'm like, oh, guys, this is not like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's <laughs> please. I think one thing like that sounded so scary, but I think that AI in some ways it's become so big that I feel like there is more awareness than I expected. Like, I feel like people are already totally. a little more cynical than, uh, than maybe they would have been about oh, like, people assume really all Joe of this Biden. stuff is fake. Yeah. And no, it's not. Joe. Yeah, it's like, so there was clear. That kid in Bo is afraid. Yeah. Did you, did you see this? The, the young Joaquin Phoenix, they cast an actor to play teenage Joaquin Phoenix in Bo oh, is really? afraid. A real young man, mm-hmm. but people assume that it's a deep fake. Like they, because he looks ah. a lot like young Joaquin Phoenix. Mm. And so this kid did interviews where he's like, no, I'm real. I'm not an AI cartoon of Joaquin Phoenix's de-aged face. I'm a real young man. Uh, so yeah, people are assuming things are AI that aren't even AI. Yeah, I think that's like uh, people are adapting to this. Yeah. And so that is a smart move is like it's an adaptation. Uh, as we wrap here, I, I've been seeing these uh, commercials for The Flash and I'm kind of getting hyped up to see it with my kids. It's going to be the best DC film in a while. It's gotten a lot of very, str- you know, it was a real troubled production. Everybody, Ezra Miller has been getting yeah. negative headlines and uh, they're a, kind of a problematic person. And this, the, the, the production was a very elongated, troubled production. So the fact that it's not a disaster is like mm-hmm. kind of a minor miracle anyway. But no, the buzz has been... The buzz has been pretty strong. Yeah, people are. People I mean, people are, saw it this week. I think say they let some fans see it, and the fans uh, are losing I mean, their minds. Yes, 
CinemaCon was where it debuted and it got a lot of positive buzz and now more fans have seen it. And yeah, the, the reviews have all been strong. People are, mm-hmm. I think people are really hyped to get Michael Keaton back as Batman. I think that that's a, that's a touchstone movie for a lot of people around my yeah. age. Yeah, no, it's going to be great. I'm excited. Batman, yeah. Well, I mean, it's the multiverse just lets you play and as we've seen. And then this next Marvel volley of, is it going to be good? What do you think? Your expectations? The next Marvel phase, is it going to be good or not? Oh, okay. Yeah. Like Kang Dynasty, everything. Yeah. Uh, they got a lot to figure out. I really loved Guardians 3, I the new one yet. that's out yeah. right now. It's good. Yeah. I really like that one. I feel like they've been in kind of an off. I haven't I haven't been as into the Marvel movies lately. It's it's starting to get a little sort of generic and tropey and That's everything is I filmed feel. in that. Yeah, I feel repetitive. And they're shooting everything in that volume, that one green screen room they've got. Yeah, that's everything not everything kind of a samey, boring look. Video but I think game. Guardians, James Gunn, James Gunn did a really nice job with it. It has an emotional core that they haven't had in a while. So I think if they if they can lean into that, I think that mm. sets them up pretty well. But I'm excited yeah, I'm, for X-Men and Fantastic I Four because I love those two groups. So that could be, but that's after yeah. the Kang stuff, right? Or is that towards the end of the Kang? They'll have those people start uh, showing that's up? Towards the, I think that's towards the end. So we'll, we'll do the Kang stuff and then that will probably introduce the mm. Fantastic Four and then we'll get a standalone Fantastic Four movie, I think in 2025, hmm. something like that, 25 or 26. Uh, all right. So your recommendation for the show, Silo, everybody go check out Silo. Anything else that's hot? Uh, I, I, and I know the, uh, the bear season two is coming back. The bear uh, uh, season two in, in June. Uh, we also get a new season of black mirror, uh, in <gasps> June on Netflix, which is cool. Ooh, that could finally long awaited. Long How long has that been? I forgot that. I thought, I, I thought they just shut that down. It's been about, it's been about three years, I think, since he came back and did huh? any, any black mirrors. It was that, it was that interactive one. Mm. Bandersnatch yes. or whatever. I think yeah, that I was never the watched last it. new never black mirror. It. Yeah, but we've got work. a big new season with lots of, you know, like Salma Hayek's in it. Aaron Paul oh. is in it. Like, uh, huh. and I think there's a, it looks like the Aaron Paul one is a continuation of USS Callister, the Jesse Plemons oh, yes. Star Trek one. Okay. So that's, I think we're, that's dope. If you can start yeah. having um, some continuation of those stories, man, that yeah. makes that anthology what, series really interesting. Charlie Brooker's been teasing that it's going to be more like, the black mirror verse and it episodes are going to start interacting with other episodes, which is cool. Oh, uh, and then I smart. think you should leave. We get more Netflix. I think you should leave next week. What is that? I think that you should Tim leave. Robinson comedy sketch show on Netflix. It's where all the oh. memes come from. Oh, Tim that Robinson, guy who's like the guy who Sam says, really, Richardson. really? Yeah. Yeah. Or in the hot dog suit. Uh, that's, uh, that's Tim Robinson. It's a, he was a Saturday night live writer. Uh, and now he has his wow. own Netflix sketch show. Ninety-eight percent. I've never seen it. Unbelievable. Funny show. Is it really good? Huh. Oh my god, huh. so good. So there's two seasons now. They're only it's 15 minute episodes, and there's only six per season. So it's like it's like a hmm. movie every few years. But they're the so it's somewhere between a Saturday Night Live episode and TikTok, and it's kind of made to go viral on TikTok. Yes, it's it's just short comedy sketches, and they're all. Hmm. And basically, the whole show has gone viral at this point. You know, I realized something about TikTok and how pernicious it is. Um, I think it is ruining people's uh, lives in that every single clip, because uh, there's people starting to put movies on there where like Best of the Sopranos. Yeah. So my feed is basically like food and Best of Sopranos. Uh, 
clips and then i you know because i watched uh you know like a, a breaking bad clip now i get a bunch of breaking bad clips and what i realized they're doing is they're just firing your dopamine whatever the great moments were in a season of a show um they fire off your dopamine which then fries your brain so after an hour or two of watching the best of clips you know which in a way youtube did you know you get like into the sopranos clips on sure. youtube and it's kind of nice what this does is it ruins the um i think it fries your dopamine receptors because you're seeing some fight that's a race fight <laughs> typically uh you see some uh karens then you see some great scenes from the sopranos then you see a shark attack then you see some incredible piece of food what it's doing is it's hitting your limbic system and it's hitting your dopamine receptors and it's just frying you out and you don't need that much and it's like this is yeah, yeah. doing too much damage to your dopamine receptors i honestly think that this is messing up and i think that's what the algorithm is doing this uh you know visual crack hits and it, it's bad for you because it ruins art and then i think it makes people anxious and it resets you so you're only um you're you're, you're only uh, and i'm trying to in real time frame this for people yeah. i think what it's doing is it's just giving you these like little mini hits without giving you the context around them without letting them breathe a little bit and it's very bad for you I think this is ruining. Yeah, I don't think our our brains are designed to process this amount of input and stimulus and information all day. And I mean, even just like the news, like the news used to be like you'd wake up in the morning and read the paper. You'd get home from work and there'd be like a half hour of news. And like, that was it. That was all the news. And now we're just flooded 24 seven with headlines and opinions and this news and that news. And we're not. Our brains aren't made to process that amount. And I think it's the same with TikTok. And I, I read a thing about how young people are using TikTok as a search engine now. Like instead of going to Google and searching whatever you're looking for, you just hit it into TikTok and then quickly scan through videos until somebody is talking about yes. what you're looking for. And like, that seems like such a chaotic brain frying way to engage with the world. I can't even imagine thinking that's easier than just typing it into a search engine uh, it's just a totally you know different way for your brain to be organized this is a pavlovian um dystopian uh technique that was uh codified exemplified in a very famous disturbing film from 50 years ago that some people think is uh one of the most at the time was considered one of the most disturbing scenes in a film the film was called the clockwork orange they've got his eyes pried open and they're forcing yeah, maybe him to watch ultraviolence pry his eyes open and they make him watch horrible stuff like vi ultra violent stuff to try to do this aversion therapy where they shock him when he sees violence because he's a violent person right. it's kind of what we're doing to ourselves and i think this is why like this stuff should not be our kids should not be doing this and i see kids sometimes lon you know friends you know whatever uh, you know yeah. people in our orbit and they're on this iphone they get this iphone 13 14 15 years old and they're on tiktok and they're curled up in a ball and, and it looks like clockwork orange to me that's what i see 
Yeah. That's what I say. No, and I, I, you know, I'm always so hyper aware of being like the old guy who's like, it's too much. You know, like I, I get it. And like for them, it, it doesn't seem like too much stimulus and it's just natural yeah, to browse not. the internet that way. I, I get it. But yeah, it does. It does give me pause for sure. The, the just constant I, nonstop feed of information. I think it kills your attention span, your ability to focus on stuff. And what I've started to do now is when I watch something I love, like Secession, um, I just put my phone in the other room and charge it. You got it. Put it on airplane well, mode. That, yeah. Because I don't want to I mean, miss scenes. About, I don't want to miss moments. If you talk about film and TV on the internet a lot, as I do, you start to notice that people don't always notice everything in the movies and shows yeah. that they've watched. And I think part of that, too, is that mm -hmm. they don't even know that they're missing stuff because they're on their phone. Like, there'll be visually something is revealed in a movie and people are missing it because they were yes. not watching the screen at that exact moment. So I do think it's changing the way Twitter we watch or they're sort playing of chess. Yeah. You know, but for me, it's like right, playing chess. Even, I mean, you, don't, you don't even think of it, you know? No, I was playing, you know, I'm playing Blitz chess while watching a TV show. And I'm like, well, which am I doing? You know, like, what am I doing here? Like, I mean, I'm playing right, Blitz well, you're, chess you're or kinda, I'm watching the movie. Yeah, you're sort of doing both, like, but at 60% instead of 100%. Yeah, and it's just not a good experience because my chess rating's going down and my I'm missing the great moments. All right, yeah. this has been Lon Harris. Follow him on Twitter, twitter.com slash Lon's, uh, inside.com slash streaming. Any other plugs for Lon? Where, where else uh, can we binge find you? Boys. Check out my check out my podcast, Binge Boys. How about ah. Nick and I watch uh watch whatever's going on in streaming and review it. Ah, We're talking fantastic. about silos. All right. Oh, silo yeah. this week. Can't wait. Binge Boys. Okay, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.